0: Go from Romans, uh, verse 1, verse 16 there. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Have we got that scripture there? Sorry. I'll try and bring all the uh,
1: scriptures up there. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who
0: believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And then Paul goes on to say, um, well just before that he says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non greeks both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Paul saw sharing the gospel as an obligation, but not pre- begrudgingly. You know, sometimes
1: we say, oh, I'm obliged to do that. But he wasn't... He, he felt the desire that he, an eagerness to share the gospel. Why? Because of what God had done for him. He knew
0: that he was on the road to destruction. He knew that he was... Uh, once he had a revelation of Christ, that he was going in the wrong direction. And then when he met Christ... Christ turned his life around. So he was eager to preach the gospel. I'm sure most of us really deep down want to share the good news of the gospel. Some more eager than others, but my greatest difficulty is actually breaking the ice uh, and, and getting started, uh, especially with somebody that I don't know. I often wonder which is easier, sharing the gospel with somebody I don't know or sharing the gospel with somebody I do know, my, you know, the family or friends. You know, last week uh, we were staying and uh, Sally and I were managed to get away for a few days and we were staying in a, a hotel room and I just thought at the end of that stay that to just say thank you to the cleaners. Now, you never see the cleaners, you just come back in, your room's all nice, the bathroom, you know, you've got new towels and everything in there. And it was nice, so I thought, what could I do? So I thought I could leave some chocolate on the bed and a little note saying thank you, but I also thought I could leave a, ch- a tract... You know, the steps to peace with God. Now, I don't know whether the person was going to read it or not. I don't know if they are going to throw it in the bin. I don't know if they even speak, spoke English. I think about that. But the Lord prompted me to put, leave a tract there. So when the cleaner would come in the bed, I'd see, you know, the note, the, the tract, and some chocolate. So one of those, I think, would go down a treat. But, you know, we just got to do something. What can we do uh, with what we've got? Paul tells us, he says, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His, that's God's own purpose and grace. Should we be ashamed of what Christ did for us? Should we? Somebody said no. Should we be embarrassed about what he did for us? Anybody else? No? Do we here, you know, in New Zealand have to suffer for our faith? Does anybody suffer for your faith? No, we don't. You're very quiet this morning. You know, we were all going to hell, but someone shared the gospel with us. Or we heard the message of Christ. And I like what Paul says in Timothy. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we die with Him, we also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we disown Him, He will disown us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot disown Himself. And then Paul goes on to tell us, keep reminding God's people of these things, all right? So this is what I'm doing today. He says, keep reminding God's people of these things. That's my job. Warn them against quarreling about words. It's of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Peter tells us, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to you to test you or through something strange, or as if something strange were happening to you. You know, it's not going to be easy to share your faith. But Peter goes
1: on to say, Rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of
0: Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You know, if we do have to suffer a little, it's worth it. You know, how... how, Lovely it is to actually have the Spirit of God (coughs) resting on us as we share our faith. Why? Because you took a risk. You know, the, the Spirit of God comes to rest on you when you take a risk. When you choose to share your faith, you step out and the Spirit will come upon you. Now, who knows this verse? Uh, Off by heart. For God has not given us the spirit of. Alright? But of power and of love and of sound mind. Now we use that all the time. We we use it for people. We encourage people with that. But actually, if we look at um, the verse that it's attached to, then it says, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So here we see that Paul talking to Timothy has joined those two together. Do not be afraid. And and yet we use that verse to, to talk about other things as well in the Christian walk. Do not be afraid to share your faith.
1: This is where it's good to be in the family of God so that we can encourage one another
0: to step through the fear of man. Why? Because firstly, we love God and are grateful for what he has done. Well I presume that's the case, that we love God and we're grateful for what he's done for us. But secondly, in Him we shouldn't want anybody else to perish. You know, Peter says that none should perish. When we're praying in our in prayer meetings, you know, for the church, we're praying that none would perish. We we, we don't want people to die. Now we know statistically that 3 to 5 percent, sometimes some people push it up to 6 or 7 percent, fine, of New Zealand are born again. So we think, man, what's left? 90% plus are going to hell. And does that bother us at all? Does it bother us that 90% of people are going to hell? It bothers me, and uh, I'm hoping it bothers you as well. Jesus told his disciples, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. This is our normal walk, that is your walk. Now, I'm not going to get you to put up your hand at this stage, but you've got to challenge yourself and say, okay, how am I doing there? Healing the sick? Okay. Raising the dead? Oh, I don't know about that. Anybody here? I'd love to meet somebody that's raised the dead. Maybe this morning when you got out of bed. Alright. You look pretty good. But this is what our normal walk should be. This This is a victorious Christian walk. This should be normal for us. And cleanse those who are sick, drive out demons, you know, freely you receive, freely give. In other words, we have it in us to do this. Jesus goes on to tell his disciples, do not be afraid of them. And this is the people that were persecuting them at the time. Don't be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden, that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He says, listen to God, listen to me, and I will tell you what to say. The same is for us. So if you see there, it says, what I tell you in the dark. So are you hearing what God is telling you? Because he's telling them not to be afraid to share the message, but he's also telling us that God will actually speak to us and tell us what to say. Now, if you think about it, if you look at it and you see what I tell you in the dark, now generally you're not out sharing in the dark, if you know what I mean. You're you're in your quiet place. You're in your closet or you're in bed, you know, at night or somewhere, and God will speak to you in the dark. And what is whispered in your ear, and that's how God speaks to us. You hear that small, still voice. So he's all the time wanting to encourage us and say, look, I'd like you to share with such and such, or I'd like you to leave a, a tract on the bed, you know, in your
1: hotel. Whatever it is, we listening to what he is saying.
0: Are you hearing it? You know, in fact, if we're willing to listen, you will actually bring people to the door. I like it when people come to the door. Sometimes I know it can be a little bit inconvenient or a little bit annoying at times, but I realize that people... You know how difficult it is. I've got to be honest, it's difficult to share your faith. It's difficult to cold call. It's difficult to go into the street and, and share it. Sometimes the opportunity just opens up, and that's great. But when people come to my door, I think, praise God, you know, they've come. They've usually got another motive. They haven't come to hear the gospel, but they've come to sell something. So, I know that I have a captive audience, and I will say to them, okay, I'm prepared to listen to what you're going to say, but would you be happy to listen to what I want to share as well? And of course, they want to do their sale pitch, so most of them will say yes. I said, good, let's let's do this. and then sometimes in the past I've got Sally Ann to make a cup of tea as well you know, and um, I haven't brought them necessarily inside I take them to the carport or sit on the deck or something like that and then by the time they've got a cup of tea in one hand and a biscuit in the other hand, you know they're yours, they can't go anywhere and then I generally uh, especially in Auckland if you're down there, a lot of migrants are doing these jobs, and I said, you know the reason you've come to New Zealand it's to hear this message And I have a message for you. Alright, so God, we've got to be prepared. We've got to be prepared for what God is going to do. I, I don't mind if Jehovah's Witness come to the door as well, you know. And I'm not going to knock them at all, but I try to get it round to, do you have a personal relationship with Christ?
1: You know, and those sort of things. Trying to just say, do you Do you personally know this God
0: that you're talking about? Before I tell them, I don't just say look I'm a Christian, I'm not interested in the way you go. I'm interested in their salvation. So I'll speak They can walk past my car with Church Unlimited and don't even see that whole thing, you know and they arrive at the door. Well I'm going to share with them and it's not long before they're going like this. It was a lady who came and she... uh, you probably, she's probably spoken to you as well and she, her husband was in the car and it surprised me because they usually come to the door two by two, I said I noticed your husband's in the car, he not, he's not well I said well we, shall we pray for him you know and she starts making it work you know,
1: it's just I, I was happy to pray for him anyway I,
0: I'm not in the 144,000 I, I presume and where were we? Jesus says, um, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown him before my Father. And that's challenging. That is very challenging. And it's tough stuff. If we acknowledge Jesus before others, He, that's the Lord, will acknowledge us before God. So you can imagine that. You know, he sees what Frank's doing. He sees what Glenn's doing. He sees what Paul's doing. You know, Alan or Irene or whoever. You know, Robin. He says, Father, look. Look at these people down there in New Zealand. Look what they're doing. You know, he acknowledges us as us before the Lord. I don't want to be disowned. On the other hand, if you think, if you love God... How could we disown Him? Unfortunately, it's too easy to disown the Lord. Peter did it along with the rest of the disciples, didn't he? He was adamant he wasn't going to disown the Lord. Nope, not going to do that. No. Nope. And then it says that the disciples all ran away at the time of his arrest. And Isaiah prophesied, he said, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. We need to check our hearts and ask, Lord, am I ashamed of you at times? ask the Lord that at the moment am I ashamed of you at times do I disown you depending on the company I'm keeping Lord when I'm at home or at church I'm fine but at school or at parties would I rather leave you outside have we done that Anybody done that? can be easy to say in the Lord. Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul.
1: He will reward each person according to what they have done. It doesn't say he will reward each person for who they are, but for what they have done. We're not going to be
0: rewarded for just being Christians. We're going to be rewarded for actually what we do. Now, you know this scripture, you know it, but I'm going to read it anyway, and I'm going to paraphrase some of it so we can get through it. But it just it, it, it explains what I want to say. It challenges us. When the, when the Son of Man, in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Now hopefully that's where we are. We're doing that stuff. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, a stranger or needing clothes, sick or in prison? The king will reply, truly I tell you, what have you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me? Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go to eternal punishment, but the righteousness to eternal life. Now nobody says sharing our faith is easy. But we are all called to do it. The Great Commission applies to
1: every believer, young and old. We all have a job to do,
0: whether we feel like doing it or not. But there's something else in these verses I want to touch on. Let's just go to slide 14. It says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people from one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Do you see that there? Now just try and imagine the scene, if you can. All the nations gathered. Absolutely glorious. You agree? Angel's all about God on his throne. It's going to be a magnificent scene. Absolutely magnificent. How do you think we will feel on judgment day when we see our neighbors, our work colleagues, our relatives and other people we know being ushered to the goat's side? Who do you know that is not saved? Can you think of anybody that you know is not saved? And you're standing in that glorious scene And you see your friends, you see your family? Will you be rejoicing? Will you secretly be sniggering behind your hand? that they're finally getting their just desserts? Will you be ducking down behind someone in front so they don't see you? What happens when they do see you and call out, hey, how come you never told me? What will your reply be? Sorry, mate, too late, bad luck. I don't think so. I'm sorry, but this doesn't get any easier. Let's go to Ezekiel. At the end of the seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. to dissuade them from their evil ways, in order to save their life. That wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you responsible for their blood. Again, when a righteous person turns from their righteousness and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before them, they will die, since you did not warn them. For their blood. But if you do
1: warn the wicked person and they do turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die for
0: the, they will. Sorry, I can't read this on my eyes are watering. But if you do warn the wicked person and they do not turn from their wickedness for their evil ways, they will die for their sin. But you will have saved yourself. And if you do warn the righteous person not to sin, and they do not sin, and will surely live because they took the warning, and you will have saved yourself. Do you get get, anybody get the point here? It's it's not just about us getting saved and going to heaven. We have a responsibility. Now, this is the Old Testament. You could say, okay, it's the Old Testament. But everybody in the New Testament, whether it's Jesus, it's Peter, or it's Paul, whoever it is, is telling us to get busy with sharing the Gospel. And it's up to the church. (coughs) There are empty seats in this church because we're not doing what we're asked to do. You and me as well. There's three to five percent of the community in church. There's 90 plus percent of the community out there going to hell. In fact, 35,000 people a day, 35,000 people a day are going to hell who have never even heard the name of Jesus. So when God says go and make disciples, it's a command we really need to take seriously. We all have a responsibility to be about our Father's business. (coughs) I'm just going to invite Wayne up. Wayne, come, come on up, Wayne. Wayne was telling me a story about what the Lord had been speaking to him about. And what I like is that he did what he was told. Thank you, Wayne. Thank
2: you, Pastor Paul. Morning, Church. Morning. Morning. Not so long ago, an older brother died. Whether he was a Christian, I do not know, but at his funeral, it didn't seem so. And it was distressing. It was truly distressing. A little while after, his son committed suicide. And that son had everything to look forward to. And I mean it, everything to look forward to and in, prayer, in a silent time prayer time I was pondering on this and I thought how could this be because mum went to church <coughs> the majority of not all, but the majority of our family <coughs> are believers they're correcting that, I've got three sons they all went to church and to Sunday, Sunday school church and to youth group but I only see one that's an active church member and ironically he's a highly ranked military officer so <coughs> in my career time the Holy Spirit said to me quite clearly and defiantly, finally go and tell your family so we have a young son that works his business at home he gets told he gets challenged very regularly weekly three times weekly maybe. So, I started on my nephews and it's amazing their reaction. Um, One came up home, these are my two younger people and I asked them about do you know where you're going when you die? And he was just, (coughs) wow. I told him that Jesus Christ and he was he didn't know what to say. So I was calling with his to then another Matthew um, ran to him. He used to know the Lord once, but turned right away. And we have three blocks of, on our farm of Fejo's, and uh, that industry is really under pressure from, from bugs and a moth that there's no spray for. And <coughs> neighbours have it on the right, and its orchards have been cut out. And we've been truly blessed we haven't had that problem. Mm -hmm. And when I shared to (laughs) another nephew, that's a dairy farmer, he laughed at me. And he backed up and he started laughing. He couldn't handle it. But I pushed him into him and he still still couldn't handle it. The colleague gives it to him (laughs) in another situation. uh, So, what we're doing is we're starting at the younger ones and then I'm going to move into the older people. But years ago on our farm we put a cross up on the high part of the farm. And you can see it for a long way away. Now there's a guy, a cousin, second cousin, he lives down the road. Has quite a dangerous job at times.
1: But also he does farming contracting with tractors now. And he had me on a fuel station
2: and he really challenged me. Why are you picking on me? I believe he was offended by the cross. And when I pointed out to him, you you go and seek the farms and that. You roll your tractor down the hill, get killed. What are you going to do? And he just, and he couldn't get out of my presence fast enough. So what the Holy Spirit put on me was to share with your family. And we're endeavouring to do that. And... Times it's easy, and times it's not so easy, but we'll <coughs> continue to. Do it. Thank you. Way to go. Thanks,
0: Wayne. <laughs> I'm sure there's others in the room as well, and, and let me know what you're doing. I'm just encouraged by it. Um, I know yeah. Sally and I are, are doing our best, and we can do more but uh, please encourage me over the next coming weeks with testimonies of how you are sharing your faith because you know Pastor Tark you know he's mentioned before that New Zealand's going to hell in a handcart. but somebody else made the comment that we're the only army in the world that celebrates when you're losing the war if you know what I mean that where's Where's the souls, you know? What difference are we making as a church, as a whole? And we need to make a difference. So we come in and we celebrate on Sundays, but we're not actually seeing salvation. We're not actually making a difference. And I think it's up to us, each one of us, to make that difference. I think fear does stop us from doing stuff. and and we've got to break through on that we've just got to say no I can do it, you know with the power of God I can do this, I need to do it Lord just give me wisdom for doing it I'm glad really that I attend Church Unlimited Uh, not only because I've met some great people over the years uh, but because of Pastor Tark's leadership and I'm not putting him up on the pedestal thing but God spoke to him about souls you know 30 years ago And he's kept that focus. And uh, I just did a quick calculation because I was involved with the New Believers and I knew how many people were coming to the Lord. And, you know, we would have seen probably Church Unlimited at least, that would be the minimum, 15,000 people have come to Christ You know, since I've been going to Church Unlimited for the last 30 years. At least 15,000 people. Have come to the Lord. It would be more than that because that's just working out to the altar calls on a Sunday, but there are outreaches as well, Heaven's Gate, Hell's Flames, and all those sorts of things. So there would be a lot more than that. And so, you know, also, since we started here three years ago, we've seen in this church so far over 150 people give their hearts to the Lord. You know, give the world a clap for that. You know? It's not a slight thing, it's God's doing something, if we open our doors, we lift his name up, then people will come to the Lord, you know what, most of those people are young people I would say three quarters of those souls are young people God's wanting to reach the young people of this community So keep praying for that even though we love great worship, and it was great worship this morning, thank you Denise and Nadine Great fellowship, okay, we love that. We want a vibrant kids' church, obviously. We want a, a, a raging youth ministry. We want that, right? But they are really just platforms for what? Reaching the lost. Otherwise it's just a show. It's a platform to see the lost coming. So it's everybody's responsibility. It's everybody's here. And what are we going to do? You know how many of you have already decided whether or you whether you will or you won't do something for good neighbours?
1: Give me a wave. If you've decided you will or
0: you won't do something. Right? So in your heart, you've already decided whether you're gonna do something or not. You've thought either, ah no, too hard. Mm-hmm. Alright? And you've just dismissed it. No, it's just a thing. I don't need to do that. Or you've said, okay, how what can I do? Now it doesn't have to be you could say, okay, sixteenth, I'm already busy, that, that gets me out. Alright? But you remember what the the what the um I think the guy who came to Jesus and you try to test him and he said, Well, who is my neighbour? You know, I can sort of get out of this. Because Jesus was saying, Love your neighbor. He said, Well, actually, who is my neighbor? And then he told him the story about the uh, Good Samaritan. Remember? And there were two people uh, that walked by the guy in the gutter. Now, we all know that we, we very rarely see somebody bleeding in a gutter, do we? We don't see that often. I used to see it more often than I wanted to, but we don't often see that. So we can actually say, well, look, I don't see somebody bleeding in the gutter. I don't have to do anything. But that wasn't the point of the thing. What can we do? What is something we can do? What can God place on your heart? And it doesn't have to be a Saturday. It, It can be a Friday. It can be a Thursday. It doesn't have to be your exact neighbor. It can be somebody that you just want to show some love to. And I think we can all do that. So my challenge is that we all should be doing something about this good neighbor. And, and encouraging one another. We should be staying at morning tea time. You say, you know, how's the fishing? Now you say, what are you going to do? Have you got any good ideas? I can't think of anything. Give me some ideas of what we could do. Maybe I could take some extra morning tea into work or something. Maybe I just do something different. We get some momentum going. Get something started. To help you. And pray, pray for an opportunity. I'm just going to show another video. This morning, plenty of videos this morning, but I'm just going to show another one. Thanks, Ryan. Right
3: when we were kids, we all learned how to play tic tac toe, right? It's a simple game that anyone can master in a few tries. What happens when you make a tic-tac-toe more complicated than it is? You fail. Why? Because tic-tac-toe is simple. Sharing our faith is the same way. Jesus invested in the disciples. He told them to go out and make more disciples. Early Christians did this by investing in the lives of the people around them. And that's sort of how this works. Both tic-tac-toe and sharing Jesus is simple. When we make it more complicated than that, we fail. So how does this work? Well, let's learn by doing. This is Steve. He's lived at his house at Forth and Elm for about seven years. He knows most of his neighbors' names, but only talks to a few of them. Steve wants to invest in his neighbors so that hopefully he can introduce them to Jesus. Steve would start out by drawing a simple tic-tac-toe board on a piece of paper. Then he draws his house in the middle. That's your free square. Next, Steve thinks of neighbors immediately around him and writes in the names where their houses are. If he doesn't know the name, that's okay. Just leave it blank. Steve's first goal is to fill in all the spaces around his house. So Steve needs to get out and meet his neighbors. How did he do it? Well, Steve owns a snowblower, and when it snowed, he went and cleared all the sidewalks around his house, then went to every front door, knocked, and introduced himself. Folks were so happy that he cleared their walk that they wanted to talk a lot. You may not have a nice snowblower, but you can always knock on a door and introduce yourself. Maybe hand out a card with your name and phone number, so if people need help, they can call you. A plate of cookies is a great way to say hello. Maybe simply offer to go over and help someone with their yard. So Steve got all his spaces filled in. Steve's second step was to find out one thing he could be praying for for each house. Now, because he had made such a great initial impression, people were happy to share The best bet about this is that one week later, he had a reason to follow up. The third step is to find out where each neighbor is in relation to Jesus. Do they know Jesus? Have they been turned off to church? Are they lapsed Buddhists? Find out where each neighbor is spiritually. Then use that as a springboard for simple conversations. The more Steve prayed for his neighbors, the more he grew a heart for them. When Steve's neighbors saw that he genuinely cared about them, they began to share more and more. Before Steve knew it, he saw his neighbors like Jesus sees them, with compassion. Eventually, Steve was able to introduce some of his neighbors, Frank and Lisa, to Jesus. That's the ultimate goal of this tool, that you can simply and clearly learn about your neighbors, know them, and love them like Jesus. As simple as that.
0: I think we've got to challenge ourselves with some of the verses that we've heard this morning. One is we are responsible, two is the love of God wants to flow through our hearts to reach others because that's how we came to salvation. Or either we heard a message, or somebody shared with us, or somebody loved on us, or there were people around us that had Christ. In some way, most of us came through somebody else. And so the, the, our role now is to pass that baton on. How can we reach? But if we don't love the community, if we don't love everybody else, if we only love ourselves, it's difficult. We need to come to that place to say, God, I want to be a vessel. I want to reach people in my community. I want to be part of the answer. Please help me with that. And then you come, the verses come. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, peace, and a sound mind. In other words, love is the answer. Peace is the answer. A sound mind. I will work with you. I will speak to you. I will help you. And then when we have a compassion for people, we have a compassion for our neighbors. We don't even know our neighbors, let's say. We don't even know their name. or We don't have compassion for them. But it's when we start to have a relationship with them, then we can have compassion. And then our church starts to fill. You know, Paul, speaking to the Corinthians, he says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And then I, I, it was so complicated, that verse, that I, I decided to put it through in the Message Bible because then it's just so much easier what he's trying to say. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily became a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose-living immoralists, Defeated or demoralized, whoever. I I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And that's what I want to be. I want to be in on it. I just don't want to talk about it on Sundays and say, okay, you guys should do this. I want to be in on it. And he didn't lead everybody to Christ. His attempt to lead people to Christ. So I mean, There were some failures there, but he was in on it. God knew what he was doing when he made you and me. Each one of us is unique, one of a kind. And even though the gospel message is standard, each of our approaches will be different. We just are different. Even the Bible, you see, Paul was more intellectual in his approach. Peter was very direct and probably confrontational. Matthew had
1: a party. He was relational. The blind man that Jesus healed and the woman at the well were more testimonial, telling people who they had met and how their lives had changed. Whatever way suits our personality, God will help. It can't be
0: just because we have to. That's the thing. I don't want you to think, well, I just have to do it. It needs to be that we want to do it. Because remember what God said, for God so loved the world. That's right. For God so loved the world that? That's right. So Peter says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with
1: gentleness and respect. How are we going to get started? Well, we've got to
0: ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Then. You know, something that's just happened as you, as we start to pray. You know, Cillian, you know, work, and Denise, they work at Bells, and there's a community of people. There's a community of non-believers down there. And, and we sometimes think that people aren't interested in thinking I actually might do a message on hell next time. My message just might be fire and brimstone next time. But it's interesting that the books that people are asking to borrow, Cillian's been lending out the divine revelation of hell and, and the divine revelation of heaven. People want to know this stuff. And yet we, we might be afraid or ashamed or embarrassed about it, but people want to know this stuff. So there's an opening there where she's now lending people books. They're reading about God. They're reading about hell, heaven, and things like that. They can take morning tea down there and ice blocks. They can change the community through prayer and loving on people. So, really, blessing people is the place to start. Who can you bless? Who can you bless? I'd like the musicians to come up, please. You know, Church Unlimited here in Kaitaia is an apostolic church. We've been placed here not just to have another church. We've been placed to reach the community and beyond. But it doesn't work if we're not actually reaching the community. And so that's our role. Every one of you, it's your role. It's my role to reach the community. Doors will open if you pray. Lord, help me to reach this community help me to reach my relatives like Wayne help me to reach where I work like Mark was sharing this morning where he's sharing Jesus in his workplace I don't want to be standing there
1: (coughs) watching people go to the lift do you? I want to
0: warn people. I want them to have what I have and better.
1: (coughs) Let's
0: just close our eyes and challenge yourself. Say, Lord, am I ashamed of you? Am I fearful? Am I embarrassed? share my faith? Am I embarrassed? Am I afraid to speak to my neighbor? Please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me. Lord, help today to be a turning point. Help me to hear that whisper in the night. Guide me, Lord. Bring people to me. Forgive me, Lord, if I've ignored people that you've sent to me. I want to be part of the answer. I want to rejoice in that glorious day. I want to hear those words, good and faithful servant, coming into my rest. Lord, help me to see people through your eyes, help me have compassion on the lost, thank you Lord, let's just worship, let's just worship the Lord, come on church, let's stand up, let's worship the Lord,